folks, the countdown is on. Christmas is in the air. We can almost taste it. Hope you and yours are doing well. Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for tuning in for another edition of Unlike Any Other, the UMAC. Ryan Mitchell, as always, joined by Wyatt Morell. Wyatt, I'm going to say it multiple times this pod, unashamedly, and I'll start off by saying it right now. Merry Christmas. How are you doing? How do you what what does Christmas taste like, Ryan? I need to know cuz you say that and I'm just yeah. I'm just curious. Tastes like, you know, that uh brisk breeze in your face and the uh, mm. sight of white everywhere and it's cold, <laughs> but you know that there's brighter things ahead and you can bear the cold a little bit more because you know that there's good things to come moving forward. So, that's what it tastes like. That was actually a pretty good pretty good turn you made there. Uh, I, I'm impressed. No, I'm good I'm doing well. Merry Christmas to you as well. Just a couple days away from it now and it really has seemed like it's come up quick. Whether we're talking UMAC basketball and everything we've analyzed to get to this point, now that we're in conference play or even just life in general. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about and not to even, you know, talk about myself, which I never do, but uh, as as the common man would say for people who get that reference, but I moved up to Crookston a little over six months ago, and it feels like yesterday. So that's how quick the past six months have gone, and now Christmas is less than a week away. So time goes by quick, but uh, we're enjoying every minute of it, and just happy to be back on the pod with you, Ryan, and looking forward to what we're going to dive into tonight. And in spirit of the season, Wyatt, we are in a giving mood tonight because, uh, mm. boy, do we have a lot on the table for this pod. A quick Note, we are recording on Sunday night, December the 19th. Plenty of things to get to, but Wyatt, I'm going to hand it back over to you because I do mention when we're recording and we've had some discussions in the last couple of weeks, I think you want to update the people moving forward what the pod's going to be like, if you will. Yeah, and even just hearing you say that we're recording on this night, I'm getting sick of having to say that because, you know, we've had two situations now this year where we've recorded ahead of time a couple days, posted it on a Wednesday, which we normally do, and both instances were Northwestern and Scholastico and they were supposed to play each other, and both times the game got canceled after we had finished the recording. So moving forward, we have made the decision we're going to be posting our content as soon as possible after we record it. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be up the very same night we record it by any means. It could still be a day or two after the fact, but we just want to let people be aware of that because we are doing this so that it can be the most efficient and most up-to-date relevant information. Info. Yep. yep, most relevant info that we can provide for you because we don't want to have to have things in our podcast that doesn't even make sense by the time we get to it so that's that's the first reason we're doing it and the second reason would be we're obviously both very busy ryan we are spending a lot of time on this podcast though and we want to reassure people we are going to continue to work hard at it study the umac we're obviously still watching games hearing what people are saying looking up the information so nobody has to be afraid or worried about that or the amount of work we're going to be putting in we promise you we'll still be determined to do that it's just we're going about it a different way so you may get one or two episodes a week on different days. You may It might be over a week at times before you get one, but each time we post one moving forward, it will be the most relevant information that we can provide to you, and we think that will be better not only for the podcast, but for you as listeners as well, so you don't have to listen to things that are no longer uh, pretty much meaningless, to put it bluntly. Yeah, I think that's a great way to sum it up wide and just, yeah, real quick to note again, uh, 
we're disappointed. Uh, for some of you listening, we're not as disappointed as you are. And for some of you listening, we're more disappointed than you are. I'll just say I was very disappointed and kind of sad on a Tuesday evening when the news was uh, made public that uh, Northwestern versus Scholastica was canceled for, as you mentioned, Wyatt, the second time. So uh, Yeah, and you know what, Ryan? I'm going to stop you there. We're not, we're not, we're not doing this again. We talked yeah. about it before. No, I just, I just left it at we, that. I was very disappointed. We're, we're leaving it at that. This game, I, there's a lot of questions out there if, if this is going to happen, and I'm done speculating, and I'm not going to believe it until they step on the court and that ball is tipped. So we're leaving it at that. It is what it is, and hopefully we don't see more cancellations carry over to the games that really matter, which are the conference games in the grand scheme of things. Obviously, we had the one stoppage with a few teams in opening weekend, but moving forward, we hope it's not an issue. So anyways, you can continue. No, I I could not have said that better myself, and we have plenty of content to get to in this pod. As I mentioned earlier, Wyatt really enjoyed the time with Coach Aaron Call the head woman's coach at Northwestern, and then Coach Scott Sorensen, the head men's coach at Northland College. So Wyatt and I aren't going to go back and forth for as long as we normally do, but we still have some buy or sell to get to, Wyatt. You have put me on the burner twice. I've only got to put you on the burner once. And so tonight, I will now ask you to get back on the burner, back on the hot seat, and don't worry, you'll get off it soon enough. But are you ready to roll for me to throw a couple buy or sell questions at you. I, I am. Let me just quickly, shamelessly throw our plug out there. You can follow us on Twitter, unlike any other, the UMAC. You can send us questions to our email, uaotheumac at gmail.com. We love to keep it interactive. We're still getting a few occasionally, so be sure to hit us up that way. And again, yeah, make sure to download, subscribe to the podcast. We really appreciate everyone that has so far and has supported. And uh, we'll, we'll continue to build this and move this forward here into the new year. So with that, we can get into the buy and sell if you're ready. And after that, maybe just go over what our interviews were with the coaches before we send it off to that part of it. Alrighty, Wyatt. We'll uh, kind of ease into this. I have four for you, and we'll rattle through uh, all of them real quick. First buy or sell I have for you. We saw Northwestern pick up another win over the weekend. They shot the lights out. Yes, it was a non-conference game, but against a quality opponent. But yet again, we saw another strong performance from Northwestern. Are you buying or selling on the idea that Northwestern Eagles men's basketball in the regular season this season in UMAC play will run the table and not lose a single conference game. Are you buying or selling that? Reminder, last year they had two conference losses before they won the conference tournament. Sell. And I'm a Northwestern guy, but it is just incredibly challenging and difficult to run through any regular season in conference play undefeated and I just, even with the two less games against a good Scholastica team, I still think there's a team somewhere out there in the UMAC that is going to be able to get them. I, I don't know what you're doing on your screen right now. No, no, no. no. I, it's a touchscreen, Wyatt. So uh, okay, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to confirm that they had two conference anyway. losses last year, and I confirmed that. So I got Sorry, you. Anyways. No, no, you're good. I just was looking at a hand, basically, for a few seconds there. So sorry to get off track, but... No, I, I have to sell that because I think there is one game. You show up, you maybe don't have the best night shooting. It can happen. I mean, with the way Noah Alm shot it recently, I mean, who knows if that dude's going to have an off game shooting anytime soon. But I just I think there is a, is a game out there where they can lose one, and I'll take, I'll take the sell on that one and say somebody gets them at some point. 
Alrighty, so now a very similar question, but on the other side of things, if you will, on the woman's side, we've talked a lot of Bethany Lutheran women's basketball to start this season with what they've been able to do, the really tough non-conference slate. They've actually had some difficulties in non-conference the last couple games. Maybe people are worried of Mankato back-to-back losses for Bethany. Oh, no. Same question, Wyatt. They're the favorites. They're going to be hard to stop. They probably have the conference most outstanding player. Will the Bethany Lutheran women's basketball squad run the table in the regular season and go undefeated? Are you buying or selling? That's To me, that's worse than the first one, Ryan. That's a sell for me. You say favorites. Wow. They're they're your favorites, maybe. They're not my favorites. North Central is the team to beat, in my no, opinion. I've been okay. I've been behind that for a few weeks now. I still believe it. And not only North Central, but Northwestern, I think, could easily get Bethany. They've done it in the past in the regular season. So I have to think the Vikings are going to lose a game somewhere as well. And to me, I'm more confident in that one than I am Northwestern on the men's side. Wow. Okay, so I, this isn't a buy or sell, but I have to ask you real quick. If I ask sure. the same thing for North Central, since they're your favorites, it's, you think they're going to run? No, it's still no? It's a similar echo to what I've been saying. I just think it's incredibly challenging to go undefeated in a conference play, and it doesn't matter what conference you play in. Think at every single level that there is, D1, D2, D3. Hey, we got had a little conversation about that later on, too, so <laughs> tune into the podcast. <laughs> but anyways... How many of those teams in a conference actually run a table? You know what I mean? At the D1 level, literally never, uh, unless you're Gonzaga last year. I guess they were undefeated until they lost to Baylor. But outside Oof. of them, outside of them, not to get on that, nobody. At Division Two, it hardly ever happens. And at Division Three, I mean, maybe it's a little more common at Division Three, Division Two, but it's still very rare. So I, I would probably almost always take a sell, depending on the team. Very, very fair. Alrighty, I got a couple more for you. We'll switch back over to the men's side of things. Wyatt, your pick in the preseason to win conference player of the year was Brian Smith of Bethany yes. Lutheran. Mm-hmm. So last season, he averaged just over 18.5 points per game. That was good for second in the conference, only behind Mr. Noah Alm. So far this season, he is averaging just a tick over 17 points per game. They've had an uneven start. We've asked questions about them. They're still trying to figure things out. What I want to know from you, your pick to win, Conference Player of the Year, Brian Smith, will he finish in the top three in the UMAC for single-season scoring at the end of the season? Because right now I can tell you he is nowhere near uh, the top three. From what I'm – and. You know, not to well, get into a tangent to, to knock on the, the UMAC website. I'm not sure if this is totally accurate now that I'm looking at it. But uh, <laughs> hey, hey, we still want to have the commissioner come on the pod, so yes, let's, let's be careful. Well, we can talk about that with him. Uh, so the, t- <laughs> the top three that I'm looking at right now, at least, have Noah Alm, number one, Micah Filer, number two, Kyle Kamink, number three. Okay. What so regardless the points, if though? they're updated or not. So Noah's at 22. Mike is at just under 18. Kyle's at 15 and a half. So based on what I said with uh, Brian, I'm not sure why he wouldn't be in there because I said he's just over 17. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, whether that's correct or not, are we, we can just are put we that gonna have to Are we going to have to scrap this by yourself? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, it's still legit. Based on what I'm saying, a tough start to the year, but well. just individually, 
for Brian Smith. Will he finish the season top three in scoring in the UMAC? No matter what I, the numbers I don't, say now. I don't well that's the thing though. It kind of matters, right? <laughs> well, okay, so the I, information is important. Yes, I have it at he's just over seventeen right now. And for reference, last year we know he finished at eighteen and a half to be yeah. second. So he is dipping a little bit and there's been some uneven performances, some big performances. So we do know those numbers. Buying or selling Wyatt, Brian Smith will finish top three in the UMAC in scoring per game. You know, I'm. Uh, it's a giving mood, and I'm in a giving mood, I guess. But I am still trying to sell stuff instead of just give it away. I'm gonna sell this one as well. And wow, I, I just knowing that he's not in there right now, and with the struggles they've had and the uncertainties moving forward this season, it's tough for me to put a lot of confidence and stake in that. So I just I have to sell that one as well. No further explanation needed. I mean. Not really. I'm kind of like surprised, you know. It. He's, well, he's your know, guy, and you're giving up on him. You say he's my guy. I'm not giving up on anybody. I'm just, with what we've seen, the safe play there is a sell, in my opinion. So I'm going to sell it. That's that's what I got for you. Okay, my final one for you, going back to the woman's side of things. Let's talk about those North Central Rams that you're high on. Many people are high on. Why wouldn't you be high on them? They like started to the season 10 downtown and 0. <laughs> U. Let's talk about downtown you. What do we got going on? 10 and 0 at this moment, Wyatt. They're going to get a nice break. Hope they enjoy uh, Christmas time wherever they are celebrating. They will not be back in action until January the 4th. One more non-conference game before they get into the thick of conference play, okay? Sure. Play Northwestern on the 8th at home. Then they go at Morris on the 10th. They go at Bethany on the 14th. The reason I mention all of those games, okay? Those are the next four, Mount Mary and then three conference matchups. You're are you losing you're losing me here, Ryan. Okay, I'm I'm getting to the question. It's all it's all part of the plan. Are you buying or selling the thought that they will have no more than one loss after those next four games? Again, at Mount Mary University in a yep. non-conference tilt this season earlier they already you know, crush Mount Mary. So probably going to win that one. Okay. And then they play Northwestern. Why we, why we play the game though. You never know. They got Northwestern Morris and who was the other one? And Bethany Northwestern's at home, Morris and Bethany, both on the road. So not exactly an easy ease into conference play when they get back into it. Are you buying or selling that they will have no more than one loss? So if I say buy, I'm saying they'll have no more than one. Yes. That they will be either, 13 and 1 or 14 and 0 after Friday the 14th. I'll buy it. They've already beaten uh who wasn't Mount Mary or whatever you said Mount, Mount Mary. Yeah, they they beat them 104 to 49 last month, so uh, probably <laughs> win. I think they can go on the road and beat Morris, which means they just got to get a split with Northwestern and Bethany and the fact that they're playing Northwestern at home makes me confident that gives them the opportunity to lose a game to Bethany and still hit that mark. So I was I'm, contemplating why honestly saying, do they get to 15-0? and 0? That was going to be my buyer sell. And then I said, you know what? He's going to sell that one easily. But you can say right now they're going to get there. I mean, 15-0, and 0, I probably would have sold. You're right. And again, it just goes back to there are some tough games in that stretch for them. But with the one loss cushion that I have there, I'm going to take the buy. And I think that they'll be able to, quite honestly, they may end up 15 and 0 wouldn't shock me that would not surprise me i probably see one loss in there at least for him so i'll take the buy though still and we'll see what happens i guess but there you go i'm not i guess i'm not a complete seller so i'm not a sellout i i was able to get one buy for you 
I always, you know, try to set up questions where you do some of each, but I mean, obviously, uh, you're 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 more than free to go either way. And I, mean, I my my mind, I tell you, nobody can read my mind, man. <laughs> they don't know what I'm gonna say, what I'm gonna do. So I tell you what, though, why just think if they do get past that opening stretch, they take down Northwestern, and then they find a way to beat Morris, and then if they beat Bethany, I mean, this is way in the future, and Coach Bruner and his club aren't worried about that, but. Can you imagine if they get past that stretch and they're 14-0 and and all of a sudden we start to think, are they going to lose? I mean, you know, the conference slate goes a long ways through February the 19th. But they the big question is, go. How, how long can they go? Yeah, they would still have to go at Northwestern and they would play Bethany at home still. So, I mean, yeah. there are opportunities there to drop one still even after this stretch. But, yeah, I mean, you would if we get to that point, we'll have to t- take a take some time, sit down, do a segment on that where we start analyzing their schedule and where we think their first loss will come. So yeah. let's just see if they get through that stretch first, though. We'll have to start comparing them to the Moneyball Oakland A's and, you know, <laughs> if they're ever going to lose, how far the streak will go. You and know, I, Many way, people probably don't understand that reference, but great movie they if, should. You wanna, if you want to check should. it out. Moneyball, great movie. All right, they that's should. that's all I got for the buy or sell, Wyatt, so you can uh, step off the hot seat and get back into – your recliner and relax Are you, a little bit. You you keep track of these too because I you're the one that does all the research and keeps track of this and goes back and finds this information. So I'm relying on you to remember my answers. I will uh I will get back into that uh, eventually. I I remember some of them, but uh, I don't have them all officially written down. But uh, I think I've done pretty well with yours, and I think you're doing pretty pretty well as well. I thought you were going to say I'm pretty poor and you've been well. <laughs> no, I think you're doing pretty well so far. I, I'll have to go back and check, though. And some of them are, like, seasonal things, like I yeah. just dropped, so we won't know till the end of the year. Yeah, sure. No, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to go back and take a look at it. When I say we, I mean you, because, again, you're the one that does that stuff and you're actually devoted and take the time. And well, I'm hey, not hey, give anyways. yourself some credit. You counted up all the fantasy stuff last week. Hey, you know, that's true. I, I will give myself a pat on the back for that. And uh, unfortunately, we don't get that opportunity to do that again until January rolls around. So we're yeah. going to have a little bit of a withdrawal and, here from yeah. it. But Thanks for mentioning that, Wyatt. Just to remind people, that only happens in conference games. Because if we were doing non-conference, it'd be way uneven because some teams if are somebody, playing more than others. Yeah. We'll, we'll maybe look at this in the future. If somebody wants to take the time and be our statistician and <laughs> – Actually, Matthew Bauman, I'm talking to you right now. If you want to take the time and add up all the points, we'll do non-conference too, but we're not going to sit there and go through every single game and add them up. I love it. He may take that challenge. I know he's a very busy guy, but he's always looking for one more thing to throw onto his plate. So maybe <laughs> maybe he'll uh, take a bite at that one. But no, we uh, want to get to uh, really the reason why people are turning listen. on this pod is to listen to those uh, interviews. But yeah, real quickly, I mean, hope everyone has a very blessed and Merry Christmas. You're in a giving mood. It is greater to give than to get, Wyatt. Uh, I won't throw out many more cliches. But, yeah, just just enjoy the time away. Enjoy the time with the family. This is the last real extended break. I said it last week. I'll say it again. I think a lot of teams are looking forward to this. Some are going to be more busy over the holiday break than others. I mean, I just mentioned moments ago, North Central Women's Squad has plenty of time off, and so – Every team's going to get at least some time off, and uh, we hope you, the fans as well, enjoy getting some time off. And, yeah, we're ready to uh, get rolling once again. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot more to say. Just keep in mind what we said at the beginning of the podcast moving forward with the content we'll be releasing, and we'll tweet something out here as well soon about that so you can look forward to that as well if you follow us on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to getting into the new year, getting back to conference play. 
But as you said, I think people want to listen in and listen to the real reason why we do this podcast. It's the interviews with the coaches. We had a good one with Coach Call, and we're able to uh, mention a few few things on the court, a few things off the court with him. Had a good one with Coach Sorensen at Northland. And if, if there's anything else you have to add, Ryan, with those interviews or anything else before we get into those with the podcast, feel free. Yeah, really enjoyed uh, them being very generous with their time. And, uh, you know, the one with Coach Sorensen specifically went a few directions that we didn't expect. But, hey, that's a good thing. We loved uh, all the info he had. And he was on with us for a little longer than Coach Call, and that's just you know the way it worked with the uh, questions that he was answering. So hey, I mean, I'll say this: it was the most entertaining interview we've done. So you're not gonna want to miss it. Yeah, don't skip through it. Listen to what he had to say. A lot of great content and information that he was providing. So even though it was a little bit lengthier than Coach Calls, they're both worth a good listen. Absolutely, couldn't have said it better myself. So with that. We'll turn it over to those. Merry Christmas to all of you, and uh, we'll catch you next time on Unlike Any Other, the UMAC. And we are pleased now to welcome in the University of Northwestern women's basketball head coach Aaron Call. And Coach Call, we appreciate you being willing to join us on the podcast. Why don't we just have you introduce yourself to get things started, uh, give a little background about what brought you to Northwestern maybe, just some details about you before we dive into the on-court stuff. Yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, thanks for having me. It's it's a lot of fun to be a part of something like this. So I'm starting my, this is my 12th year here at Northwestern. Um, I'm still kind of the new guy at Northwestern. I feel like we've had so many coaches that have been around so long. Um, so that's that's kind of fun to, to have such a, a tradition of coaches there. I <clears throat> So 12 years at Northwestern. Before Northwestern, I was the head women's coach for three years at Dakota Wesleyan in Mitchell, South Dakota. Um, that was my first head coaching job. Prior to Dakota Wesleyan, I spent uh, 11 years at Gustavus, uh, four of them as a student, and then seven years coaching where I coached. Um, I was with the men's program and the women's program. So I started with the men's program as a student assistant, uh, went to the women's program as their head assistant for five years, and then back to the men's program as their head assistant, and then got the head coaching job at Dakota Wesleyan. So. Uh, my wife Amy and I, we live in Shoreview. We have three kids, uh, 17-year-old Tyler, uh, McKenna is 15, and Kinsley is 7. They're all in the Mounds View School District. So uh, Tyler started, uh, he was a kindergartner when I started here, and now he's a junior in high school. So time goes very quickly. Quick follow-up on that, Coach. I mean, looking back, was there ever a goal to say, hey, I want to get to a head coaching gig by this time and ride it out and find a place I'm really comfortable at or did this just kind of happen more organically if you will for you yeah I mean it, it was definitely organically I was um you know it's tough to get that first head coaching job so uh it was you know I applied a number of places and you know a number of interviews and um had you know nothing was working out and so I kind of switched over from the women's side to the men's side during that time. And, of course, as soon as I did that, then an opportunity opened up on the women's side to go to Mitchell and um, in, the, in the NAIA and coaching the Corn Palace, which was very unique if you've never been there. But uh, uh, they have that's where we played all our home games in the Corn Palace, and that was a lot of fun. And then this opportunity uh, came available at Northwestern, and I've always kind of been a Division three coach. I really love the Division three model. I love what – Division three is about, and then Northwestern on top of that was was a great fit for me. So I feel very blessed to have been here and have this opportunity to coach at Northwestern. 
Yeah, Coach, it's nice to kind of learn this stuff because, I mean, obviously me and Ryan have both known you for a while, but we've never really sat down and had these conversations, so it's cool to know what your background is and where you came from. Uh, going into this year now, one thing that's kind of new, because you've had some good teams in the past, but this year I don't think you've scheduled as hard as you have this year. You played two teams in the top ten already this year. The conference is very deep, all things considered, this year, maybe compared to previous years. That's maybe just my opinion, but... Yep. What's what's it been like, I guess, playing some of these teams early in the season and just how that will prepare your team down the road here as we start getting into UMAC games? Well, I guess we'll find out. Um, we we have played two very good teams in Wartburg and Simpson um, and actually played a, a good team yesterday in Lakeland, too, is 3-1 and one in their conference, and we didn't play particularly well in, in that game. But um, we'll see how it prepares us. We're, we're not um, at the point that we had hoped we'd be at this year, um, at this point of the year. Uh, we've only played seven games to, compared to a lot of teams that played 10, 11, 12, uh, which is kind of the opposite of where we were last year. Last year, we had kind of played more games than everybody um, throughout the year. But, you know, for scheduling reasons and, and protocol reasons and whatever else, we just haven't played quite as many games this year. So um, part of that scheduling thing a little bit is just the, the Mayak has shifted their um, schedule for women's basketball. So they have gone to a 22-game conference season. Um, so they only have three non-conference. Each one of their teams only has three non-conference games to give, and so that makes our scheduling change a little bit. So we, you know, we like to try to stay local as much as we can, and because there aren't as many opportunities to play some of those local schools, we've had to look a little bit further outside and um, and find some of their opportunities to play. Coach, I want to take you back to now, just before the season began, you guys. Obviously, feel pretty good about your squad going into the year, but one of your more important players, uh, for those who don't know, listening to this, Brooklyn DeCam goes down, has a serious knee injury, and then uh, you find out that she's not going to be able to come back this season. Just kind of walk us through how you handle that as a head coach, seeing something like that before a season begins, and then if you have an update on Brooklyn and how she's doing now, we'd love to hear that as well. Yeah, for sure. So um, first and foremost, you just once you kind of see it, you just feel so bad for Brooklyn. And she's been such an important part of our program and more than people just see. I mean, you see her on the court and you see what she does on the court, but she's such a huge part of the locker room and the culture that we have. And uh, just her, her humor keeps things light for us. Um, she's so well-respected by her teammates. So you just, anytime you see somebody with a, a season-ending injury, and then especially a senior with a season-ending knee injury, it just breaks your heart, and and that was you know that was it for us too with with BDK as we call her, and um, so obviously very disappointed for her. That's first and foremost where it kind of starts, and then for our team too, it, it affects our team, and you're not quite you you know it's going to affect your team. Um, you don't really realize how much until you you get into it, and you're like, boy, that you, you even see even more as you start to play games. Um, you know, those things just become more and more evident. And we think we have some, some nice young players that can kind of step into some of those minutes. But without that experience, that just, it really changes things a lot. Um, as far as, as uh, BDK, her, her, she's doing great. Her surgery went well. Um, she's, you know, she's biking a little bit and she's hoping to get off the crutches and back and walk it around soon. So um, everything as far as that goes um, went really well. So uh, we're pleased about that. She was really excited about it and um, can't wait to see her 
you know, back in the gym and, and her smiling face and, and all the things that she brings off the court, which really important to our team as well. That's awesome to hear, Coach. Love to hear that. So kind of talking about that whole class for a moment, if you will, when Brooklyn and Kelsey and Megan and other seniors on this program came into the program a chunk of years ago, and they had so much playing time as underclassmen. And the reason I bring that up is now you have a group of freshmen in this program who a lot of them are getting you know, pretty extended playing time, at least early on this year. And obviously part of that is due to Brooklyn being out. But the reason I mention all of that, do you feel like this time in Northwestern women's basketball could be considered a passing of the torch, if you will, from people who have paved the way for this next group who's coming into the program to start this year? Well, I hope so. I mean, I think, you know, that would be the ideal scenario um, that they can kind of learn because that, that group you mentioned with, with Kelsey and Robbie and Haley and BDK and Grace and, you know, Allison's added to that group um, it has been such a special group and they've, they've achieved so many things, but they, they took their lumps when they had to play as freshmen and sophomores. Um, you know, they're, they definitely had a lot of learning and growing. They were, they were a lot better at the end of their sophomore year than they were at the beginning of their freshman year. Um, I think back to you know first couple of games of that season um, when they were freshmen. Robbie didn't even play a couple of those games. Uh, Megan Roberts and which is kind of crazy to think about now. Uh, but you know just things change so much and um, and, uh, and and people improve and and you start to get a feel for it. But we're we're certainly hoping that. Um, some of this, you know, we, we have no juniors on our roster right now. So we're certainly hoping that our, our freshmen and sophomores are, are taking are learning a ton from, from this, from this group of seniors and, and we'll be able to kind of be ready to roll next year when, when we have no seniors, um, and just, um, some so, uh, juniors and sophomores and hopefully some more freshmen as well. Coach, I'm going to switch things up a little bit. What's your favorite part about coaching, whether it's something even just off the court with the team and seeing them grow as people at Northwestern or just watching them succeed? What's the best part of the job for you? Um, well, I'm a Division three coach, so the best part is the paycheck. Uh, it, that's what I look forward <laughs> to more than anything else is you know, payday every other Friday. Just kidding about that, but I um, – the it is definitely seeing them grow as people and getting to see them come in as freshmen and leave as seniors and everything that happens in those four years and getting to be a part of their day you know their lives every day and the ups and downs that come in college and um all that kind of stuff i i don't know if anybody seen we had a pretty special moment in our practice on thursday night where one of our players ended up getting engaged at the end of practice and uh that was a new one. We haven't had something like that happen before, but it's just an honor to be able to be a part of their lives um, to that level and, um, and, and to see all those things. So that's without question, my favorite part of my job is uh, to be able to get to walk through life with them and, and just see them change over those four years and kind of send them off into their, to their adult lives from Northwestern. Well, I got to know that, <laughs> that you bring it up. Who got engaged? <laughs> uh, Robbie got engaged. So um it's been out i think it's you know she's put it out on social media and things like that so i think it's okay for me to say but end of the (laughs) end of the practice and uh in the gym with her family there and and we got to kind of gather as a team and and talk about each of the seniors and then she didn't know it was coming and so it was it was pretty cool thing to be to, to have be part of our practice 
That's awesome, Coach. So Wyatt kind of touched on how you guys have had quite the variety, if you will, of a non-conference slate so far to start this season. That continues not too far away after you guys get some well-deserved time off to celebrate Christmas. You guys will be headed out west to California. And more than just a couple of games that you'll get to play over there, what do you hope to gain as a coach and how do you hope to grow as a squad with that experience before you kind of get back to the grind, if you will, next month with conference play getting rolling again? Yeah, well, part of our program that I really love is the experiences that we get outside of basketball. So we like to try to travel every other year if we can somewhere. Um, we've gone to California a couple times. We've gone to Colorado. Um, it's just, it's a great time for our team to bond. It's a great time for us to get to know each other even better. It's, it, these are memories that they will take. I will take, um, you know, for the rest of our lives. We will, I'll talk to my former players all the time and they will remember these trips, whether it be couple of years ago everybody got sick on the trip I mean everybody got sick on the trip that was you know something we still talk about um, or whatever it might be there's there's memories that are made on these kind of trips and you know Wyatt playing baseball I'm sure he can talk about that when they go down to Florida and things like that too but um, you know on the court we're playing three good opponents out there and, and we usually would play two games but again kind of with this scheduling crunch we we're playing three games we're playing three tr- true road games so uh, we're going to find out a lot about ourselves. Uh, we're going to find out what our weaknesses are. Our freshmen have to grow up pretty quickly as they um, are playing good opponents out there. So hopefully that will make us stronger. That will um, you know, make us battle-tested when we come back and start conference play. We get back and we start conference play with North Central. So um, you know, hopefully we can some, develop some confidence and figure out what we need to get better at and, and enjoy that time together out there. Speaking of conference play, Coach, I like to ask this for every coach that we have on. As you kind of assess where the UMAC is right now in women's basketball, maybe to someone listening to this who isn't too familiar with UMAC women's basketball and the level that it's at compared to other conferences in the area, you've been in the conference now for quite some time. How would you assess the play that you're seeing night in, night out in the UMAC, and maybe if you believe it's changed at all since you came into the program at Northwestern? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has, you know, since I've come to, the, to Northwestern, adding UW-Superior, um, and they're, you know, they, they had won, I think, a share of the, the Wisconsin League title the year before they came into the UMAC. So adding them into our league definitely has, has stepped up the level a little bit. And then I think you have to, you know, you can just, you don't have to look too far to see what Bethany's done, you know, last, when they were in the NCAA tournament two years ago, they, you know, they beat the, the Mayaka champion on the first night and then this year they've already beaten you know Oshkosh they've beaten Eau Claire so they've already had some really big wins so I think that will tell you the top of our league is competing with with the top leagues around here and um, I I think our league is getting stronger and and we're going to continue to work to to develop all the way through the league but um, you know I think we've had some success against some of the the top MIC teams around here Um, and so I think you're, you're looking at a, a league that is definitely getting better. Speaking of the league, Coach, where's your favorite place to play outside of the Erickson Center? When you hit the road, what gym do you look forward to going to most? Um, you know, I would say, you know, I, I like playing at Bethany, I think. It's pretty close. It's tight. 
Um, the crowd is right there. You know, it, the good lighting in there. It's bright. Um, so I think those kind of things. We've we've also played some good games there against some good teams. So I would say that's probably uh, one of the places I like to play, but definitely like to be playing at home. You know, uh, we had another women's coach on a little while ago, uh, Coach Grove, and uh, he was able to tell us a pretty unique story one time between you two guys, and it's our understanding that you two are pretty good friends. You maybe have any stories you want to share as well? Coach Grove, is that the Morris guy? Is that? <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you know who we're talking about? <laughs> okay, I got you, yes. Yes, Coach Grove. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, I'm assuming, you know, the story he talked about, when he, he ended up coming in my locker room. Um, talking to my team uh, is that the story that he kind of ran down for people that was that was the one yeah yeah he, he um he and I have become really good friends we talk a lot uh, uh, it's 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 been a really really fun relationship uh, we, we were able to go back I actually coached his brother when I was at Gustavus his brother played at Gustavus um, so I've known the family for a while um, and so he and I become close friends he's been this summer I was able to have him come over he was here with his daughter um, playing AAU watching his daughter play AAU and we were able to have them both over to the house and have dinner and um, so we have become good friends he uh, last year he invited me to have dinner with his team after our game at in the Erickson Center he said why don't you come we're gonna have noodles delivered send me what you want and uh, you come eat with us after the game so I said that sounds great send him my order I don't remember if I specified one thing or not, but he made sure that there was either he or his assistant. I'm not sure if it was him or Lulu, but they made sure that I had extra jalapenos on my uh, on my dinner, which I am not a fan of jalapenos. <laughs> so I uh, got to enjoy dinner with them, including the extra jalapenos. And so we still talk about that. He still reminds me about that. And um, but, you know, that he, he is. A, I think he's I think he is the gold standard of coaches in our league. He. Uh, People, so many things that people don't understand that he does that people are never going to see. Um, you know, my kids, if, if we have a player to get score a thousand points, uh, within three or four days, I got a note from Coach Grove in, in my mailbox for me to hand to that player. Uh, he He's just, he's tremendous about lifting up others around him and just the, the class that he handles himself with. So it's just been an honor and a privilege for me to be able to call him a friend for sure. Love it, Coach. Love to hear stories like that. I got one last question for you, Coach. I love to ask uh, every coach that we talk to, how would you like people to describe your squad's identity if they're either down at the Erickson Center watching a game or on the road or watching a game on the Eagle Sports Network? How would you like them to be defining Northwestern women's basketball for this season? Yeah, I, it's a great question. Um, I would... I would love for people to look at our team and say, boy, that team plays with a lot of joy. I would love for people to be able to see that. Um, no matter, you know, if you're on the court, if you're on the bench, I would love for people to see a team that plays with a lot of joy um, and, and people enjoy watching that happen, right? I think people that see that kind of can picture themselves and enjoy being a part of that. So if, if people could see... That a team that you know plays really hard, that really likes each other, that really gets along, and just is able to show a lot of joy in the way we play. That would be the ideal way that I would love for people to describe our team. 
Sounds pretty good to us, Coach. Hey, we really appreciate you joining us and all the time that you gave us, and best of luck the rest of the way. I know I'm looking forward to watching you guys in the Erickson Center and just seeing where this thing goes. We're just getting rolling. So thanks so much for the time, Coach. Yeah, and thanks, you guys, again, for doing this. I think this is great, and it's great coverage. I think uh, we have a lot of um, you know, fun people around the UMAC and a lot of interesting people around the UMAC. So I just, I, I'm so thankful that you guys are doing something like this and um, giving a voice to some of those coaches and uh, you guys do a great job. So thanks. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks. Merry thanks. Christmas, coach. Yeah, you too. Pleased to welcome head coach of the Northland men's basketball squad, Scott Sorensen to the pod. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. No, thank you. I uh, I appreciate you guys reaching out and giving me an opportunity to uh, talk some UMAC hoops with you guys. Starting off, Coach, good start to UMAC play for your guys' squad 2-0 and after the opening weekend, fresh off of a pair of home wins. Just starting right there, early impressions from your guys' opening of the season, specifically with what you were able to do to kick off UMAC play. Yeah, you know, we put together uh, an incredibly difficult schedule uh, for this year, and it was mostly on purpose. I mean, a little bit not on purpose, but uh, we believe in in trying to take on the best uh, competition that we can find um, in the non-conference play. So in any given year, we'll play at least one, if not two, Division I opponents, at least one, if not two, Division II opponents, um, and then try to get, uh, you know, Carthage is a pretty good team, uh, although I know they're, they're struggling a little bit right now with some injuries. Uh, UW Stouts, you know, doing really well uh, overall and in the, uh, in the WIAC. And, and so we put together a really tough schedule with the purpose of preparing ourselves for conference play. Um, and the guys kind of knew that. You know, we took our lumps early on. We, you know, we had a very young team last year. Uh, where we had six, seven freshmen that we were playing and, and our sophomores last year. I, I mean, you look at, at what happened with the COVID year last year, it was a bad year to be young because you only got so many games in, in, in. And then when you come back this year, you're hoping that all your freshmen had taken the step, but how could they have taken the step when we only played eight games last year? And, and, of the eight games we played, three of them were, you know, 24 to 48 hours after coming out of quarantine. And you just throw all these factors on top of it that we knew early on this year we were going to struggle against some really good opponents, but that eventually we would find our stride. And and uh, hopefully we would be able to find that by the time conference play came around. And last weekend our guys came out and uh, said, all right, conference season is here. It's where the games matter most. And you know, the interesting thing when you play against Bethany and, and Martin Luther, the the skill set between the two teams is, is a, you know, there's a, a little bit of a difference between the, the two teams, but their style of play is very similar. They're both very fast. They both want to get out and run. And so when you're preparing for two teams Friday and Saturday that are very similar, it does make things a little bit easier in terms of, hey, this is what both teams are going to do. So we're going to practice against what both teams do rather than, hey, you know, we got to worry about what this team does on Friday and what this team does on Saturday. They're very similar. So we really only had to prepare in one way uh, throughout the course of the week. And fortunately for us, the uh, uh, things went our way last weekend. Now, Coach, you've been kind of all over the place, lots of different places. If we mentioned all of them, we'd be here a long time. So I'm not going to go through each and every single one. But one of your more recent ones was in the NSIC. 
at UMC, and that's actually a team that I've been covering a little bit because I'm up here in Crookston right now, so I've got a chance to broadcast some of their games. What's been the difference going from Division Two to Division Three? Because I think there's a lot of similarities in some ways, but there's also a few differences. So I just was wondering maybe what your perspective would be on that, being that you've had the opportunity to coach at both levels. Well, sure. I mean, I spent two years uh, under Coach Matt Bowen at Bemidji State and then four years, obviously, up at UM Crookston. And I think you're right. There are a lot of different similar uh, or a lot of similarities, different similarities. Uh, there are a lot of similarities between the two levels, but there is a major difference. And that is obviously the scholarship uh, amount that that can be offered, especially on the athletic side, because obviously at Division three, we can't offer athletic scholarships. So what that means is when you take over a program at the Division two level, the steps that you have to take in order to make a, say, a downtrodden program like what, what Danny Weiss inherited. Um, and Dan is a dear, dear friend of mine, and he's doing a, just a tremendous job at UM Crookston. But you, you can skip over a few of the steps because you have the ability to bring in an influx of talent, maybe not all at once right away, but certainly in a lot faster manner than you can at the Division Three pro, uh, level. So for us at, at Division Three, it's going to take time. Uh, you, we can't go out and say, okay, we're going to offer this kid's really good. We're going to offer him a full ride. This kid's you know, pretty good. We're going to offer him three quarters or a half a ride and bring in an influx of talent. At the Division Three level, you have to bring in a great deal uh, amount of kids overall and then let them kind of sort out who's more talented, who's going to be able to play uh, you know, a lot faster, whereas – at the Division II level, you can bring in higher talented kids a lot faster. Now, you still have to go through the process, right? You still have to go through the steps of, you know, figuring out you know, what style of play you want to play, who's got the character to lead you, uh, who's got the work ethic that's going to put it in every day in the gym. But you can bring in the talent certainly a lot faster than you can at the Division Three level. So that's that's probably the major difference. Um Whereas even at, you know, it's even a bigger jump from, say, Division Two, Division Three to Division One. If you take over at, you know, a, a mid-major or a high major, you have, you know, a full ride of scholarships. And, and it really depends on how many guys are coming back and how many kids enter the transfer portal and that kind of thing. Um, and then being able to use that, that those scholarships to be able to bring in an influx of talent and, um, you know, I, I, I use the, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, who I have a, a pretty deep tie to, both as an alum and with the current coaching staff, who are uh, dear friends of mine, one of them being a mentor of mine and Dave Thorson. They took over a program where all but one of their kids entered into the transfer portal, and yet they were able to use their scholarships to find kids that fit what they wanted to do. And now you look at them right now, and they're sitting at 9-1, and one, and that's that's not surprising given, given what they were able to do, what they had for resources and the coaching staff that they were able to bring on board saying, this is how we want to play. Let's go find kids who can do that in the transfer portal. And, and that makes those changeovers a little bit easier to deal with, even if it's not always easy. I don't know if that answers the question or not, but um, <laughs> hopefully it gives you guys a little bit of an idea of, of where my mind thinks of the different levels from one to two to three. Coach, we love that breakdown. Uh, both Wyatt and I follow 
Division One basketball pretty heavily and are fans of the sport, and I think you did a really good job of separating the differences from the three different levels. And that was actually going to be kind of my next question is talking about more so the start of your career. You mentioned your time at the U of M going to school there and then uh, working for both Clem Haskins and Dan Munson all the way back from 98 to 2000. I know that's a while ago. I know a lot of things happened in between, but do you kind of want to just let our audience know what made it the right decision for you in the right time to take the gig that you're in now in your fourth season at Northland? What made it right for you to move into that position and did you foresee that, you know, a chunk of years ago, was this the goal eventually is to get to Division Three, or kind of, you know, how did that come about? Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, so uh, small correction, I'm, I'm actually in my 10th season at Northland. Um, one of the links on our uh, to my bio is the wrong link, and, and I know a lot of people end up clicking on that. So uh, this is my 10th season at Northland, and, um, y- you know, it, the whole the, the when you get into the coaching gig, a lot of younger coaches, including myself, do it for reasons that are more self-centered. And in, in in that you know we you know growing up I you know I'd watch the NCAA tournament. I I wasn't a very good basketball player. I, I mean I was you know one of those guys who understood the game, but physically I didn't have the tools to to play at a high level, to, to be able to go on and play at division one or what have you. So you get this dream of coaching at the division one level. Um, but what you, as I go through my coaching journey, as I've climbed the ladder, as I've taken steps from coaching high school ball and AAU ball to going into, uh, you know, I, I spent, uh, I spent time overseas coaching pro ball in, in, in Holland and, you know, ended up coaching at De La Salle for two seasons for Dave Thorson, who was just, just, he's, he's just this incredible person and coach who wants to see everybody succeed beyond himself. I've, I've never met a person that when you're in a room with him and you're having a conversation with him, nothing else on the planet matters, just whatever you're conversing about. And it's, I learned so much from him. And then I went from him to, uh, Lakeland, uh, at the time it was Lakeland College, now it's Lakeland University, and spent two years working for Gary Gresh, who's now the head coach at St. Norbert. And, and Coach Gresh played for Dick Bennett and coached under Dick Bennett um, and and coached a year with uh, Tony Bennett, who's down at Virginia now. And I, I learned so much about being a professional and, and how you go about day-to-day business as being a professional coach uh, under him. And and, um, you know, the long story short, you, you, you take the steps that you want to take to achieve whatever goals it is that you want to have. And whereas, you know, the goal initially is to be a Division One coach, at the end of the day, I think most coaches, and not all, but most coaches would agree their goal if they're going to get into coaching as a full-time gig is to be a head coach. And after four seasons at the University of Minnesota Crookston, uh, the opportunity to come to Northland appeared. And it was I was actually trying to decide between being an assistant coach for a dear friend of mine and Eric Peterson, who had just taken the head job at Williston State, the junior college out in Williston, North Dakota. Uh, he had offered me a position being an assistant for him or taking a head job here at Northland. And, and I... 
I still think I made the right decision, although PD and I will argue about it. He's now the top assistant coach at the University of Utah for Craig Smith. So you wonder if maybe I should have gone that route. Um, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, even before I got to the University of Minnesota, I spent two years as an undergrad at, um, at Southwest Minnesota State working uh, uh, or taking classes with Tim Miles, who's now the head coach at San, San Jose State. Um, and was the head coach at Nebraska for eight, nine years. Um, and every time I bump into Tim, you know, he, he puts his arm around my shoulder and says, you're still part of my coaching tree. Even if you never coached for me, I took classes with him and, and spent time with him in the film room and, and spent a couple of weeks. I was coaching high school ball at the time, um, spent a couple of weeks prior to the high school season working with him and his team uh, in the preseason. And so you wonder if maybe I could have took that route and, you know, grabbed his, you know, rode his coattails to Nebraska. And, but you look back on all those different decisions that you make and you, you end up where you are because of the coach you became learning from those guys. It's not, it's not the steps you took with those guys. It's the things you learned from those guys. The things I learned from Coach Haskins, from Coach Munson, from Coach Thorson, from Coach Bowen at, at, at Bemidji State. He's now uh, an assistant coach at Valparaiso down in Indiana in the Missouri Valley League. Those are the things that led you to become the coach you are, and it's because of the coach you are that led you to the opportunities that you got. And Northland offered me this position, and I came up to visit campus. And, uh, you know, you're going to be a head coach. You know, there's only, what, 1,500 head college coaches in the country. And you know darn well if I gave up this job tomorrow, there'd be, you know, a 1,000 guys applying for it. So you just – you feel very fortunate and very blessed to have the position that you have and, and have the opportunity you have. And, and so, you know, anytime you think, you know, you get an opportunity to be a head coach, I think you, you kind of have to take it. Coach, you sound like a guy that probably has like a million different stories. So we may actually have to sit down again and talk. Cause I would love to hear more <laughs> about some of your stories with some of these guys that have gone on to the other levels and different things. So we'll maybe be in touch after this, but to go off of that, a question I'd have for you what is what is it you want to see out of your team, I guess? I mean, there's obviously a lot of different characteristics each coach wants to see within their team and, you know, kind of mold together what they think is the team that they want to display. What would be the one characteristic that you have to see from your team every single day, whether it's just their work ethic, the way they carry themselves? What What is it to you that really starts to build a great team and what you want to see from your guys each and every day? Well, I, I, I tell you, that's a great question. And, and yeah, there's a lot of things and we, we can talk about, I want to be, I want us to be the toughest team in the UMAC, right? I want us to be one of the best defensive teams in the UMAC. I want us to be one of the uh, least turnover, most efficient on the offensive end teams in the UMAC. But when I took over this program back in the summer of 2012, you know, the program hadn't had a winning season since 1996. So it had been almost 20 years. Um, we had, you know, I was left with five players, uh, or excuse me, seven players from a team that had won five games the year before. And we initially, you know, that first year, we call it year zero because you can't even really count that first year. Um, I brought in four kids in the month of August, um, and only one of those kids made it to graduation, and he was a Division II transfer that actually transferred uh, from Crookston to, to come with me. Um, 
in that first recruiting year, we knew we just needed bodies. We, you know, like, dude, if you could, if you could dribble a basketball and chew gum and, you know, you, you had a heartbeat and you were breathing, you know, I mean, if you, if you knew how, if you knew that the ball had to go through the hoop, yeah, we'd take it. Um, and so that, that first year, you know, we brought in 13 guys and just because we needed bodies, I didn't know what to, and some of those guys were really talented guys and we brought in some dudes. I, I tell you, these, these kids could play, but they weren't necessarily good fits for what we were trying to accomplish within the program. And what I mean by that is this, you know, I don't, we're, we're, I'm a division three college basketball coach. Okay. I'm not getting paid $3 million a year. I'm not the highest paid public, uh, you know, person, you know, uh, in the state of Wisconsin. Right. So what does that mean for me? Well, that means I I don't want to have to walk kids to class every day because they don't pay me enough to do that, right? Um, I want to be able to walk into the gym every day and look at the, you know, 15, 16, 18 guys, what have you, and say, I'm darn glad to be in this gym working with these guys. And and I, I tell it to our guys all the time, you don't play for me. We work with each other because we both have similar goals. Our goals are to win basketball games, win a conference title, go to an NCAA tournament. But even before all of that is to get these guys to graduate with a degree and get them to whatever their next step is in life. Basketball be darned, right? And if there was a big lesson that I needed to learn, and I learned it my second season, not as much my first year, but my second season when we brought in 13 guys and we had 19 guys on the roster of those 13 guys we brought in only three made it to graduation and the biggest lesson i had to learn is character trumps everything character counts more than anything because it doesn't matter how talented a guy is if he's not going to go to class and he's not going to be academically eligible what good is he if he's uh, if he's going to be just hard as hell to work with on the on the basketball court in practice, if he's not going to put out the effort every day that we need to to set the example for everybody else, well, what good is he? And so, if there's one thing I want everybody in the league and everybody that we play and everybody that watches us on, you know, on online or watches us on those, you know, we've been on ESPN Plus and ESPN Three. Uh, like eight times in the last four or five years, when when people watch us play, I want them to know that they're they're a high quality group of people, and that character matters most. And you know we got, you know Ryan Rawlings was named Player of the Week last week, and I'll tell you this: at the end of just about every game, he's one of the guys that will quickly go to the bench and start picking up the water bottles and throwing away cups and grabbing you know guys masks if they left them on the bench and and we have guys you know hunter moe and and jordan brennan who you know jordan brennan is one of our best players our leading scorer second leading scorer right now to ryan when we get back from a game a road trip jordan brennan and hunter moe hunter's a senior jordan's one of our they're they're two of the first guys that are going to make sure that everything on the bus is cleaned up that there aren't any pizza boxes rolling around or or Gatorade bottles or what have you, you know, left over on the floor on the bus. And and those are the types of kids that I can work with on a day-to-day basis that I say, 
I'm really lucky to have the position I have. And we might not win every ball game, but I'm going to enjoy every minute I'm on the floor and practicing games with these guys because they're good people. And I enjoy being around them. And we're a family when it's all said and done and we got each other's backs. And that, that to me is the one thing that I, I, I hope everybody can, you know, you don't always get to see it, but I hope you kind of feel it when you watch us play. Coach, we know that you've had plenty of stops in your career, but now you've been in the UMAC conference for some time. What is your perception and kind of definition, if you will, of what UMAC men's basketball is night in, night out, specifically what you're seeing over the last year and change? What defines UMAC men's basketball? Well, you know, with the the change in numbers going from nine teams to eight and the, the move back to Friday, Saturday, which is a move that I, I fully endorse. Um, I, I love playing back-to-back. I think it, it shows a little bit more of who the, the, the better teams are in terms of their, you know, you got to be deep. You, you, you can't play just five or six guys on Friday and expect, you know, expect to be able to do it on Saturday. Um, I think the UMAC basketball is an absolute grind uh, weekend in and weekend out, you know, every Friday, Saturday. I think UMAC basketball has really come into its own in the past uh, three, four, five years. I mean, you look at, you know, the run that, that Northwestern had to the Sweet 16 back in whatever it was, 16, 17. Uh, you know, Bethany Lutheran the last couple of times that they made the conference tournament, or excuse me, the, the NCAA tournament, and, and, you know, winning the opening round games a couple of times over some really, really good teams at St. John's. and. Um, I serve as the NCAA Regional Advisory Committee member uh, for representing the UMAC, uh, and I have for the past. This will be my fourth and final year doing it. Um, So I know what the other teams that make the NCAA tournament are like. I know what the strength of schedule is like, and I know darn well that whatever team comes out of the UMAC, whatever team's tough enough to make it through the Friday-Saturday grinds and then be able to get through the conference tournament, um, is going to be battle-tested. I know they're going to be ready to go. And kids are starting to, you know, understand, the kids in the Midwest anyway, the, the Minnesotans and Iowans and Wisconsinites and, and what have you, that you don't always have to go to what are, you know, some of the traditional conferences and in the MIAC and the WIAC, that the UMAC provides opportunity for some really good players to get, a good amount of playing time, maybe even early on in their freshman, sophomore years and give them an opportunity to play against some really, really good teams. And, and we don't shy away from competition. And I can certainly speak for myself, but I, I think I can speak a little bit for some of the other teams, if not all the other teams in the league that they're not afraid to go play some really good teams, uh, D- division three uh, teams, and maybe even upwards of going to uh, division one and division two and, you know, we have teams going out to Vegas this year to play against some good teams. We have a team going out to California over break to play against some really, really good competition out in the in the Skyac League. Um, and so as UMAC teams, we believe in, and it seems like we all believe in playing as good a competition as we can and preparing ourselves for the conference. And I think that as a conference, we're really uh, kind of up and coming right now. Amen, Coach. We have said it on this podcast. We've thought this for years that the UMAC is a great quality conference when it comes to basketball it's right there and can compete with these other conferences that you brought up you guys don't shy away from that competition and it does does provide 
good basketball for people that want to watch and for the players that want to play. I'm going to go a little off course here. This will be my last question for you. If you couldn't coach basketball, and this is something you've been doing for a very long time, what would you be doing, I guess? If, if it's not an option, you have absolutely <laughs> zero say in the matter, you're not going to get to coach basketball, what would you want to do? Well, you know, the, there, there are three things that are, I believe, the, the toughest things to get into as a career. Um, there's sports, there's entertainment, and there's politics. Um, those are the three most difficult things to make into a career. And you have to either be very lucky, very good, or some combination of both. And, and I like to think of myself as more lucky than good. Um, believe it or not, when I was an undergrad at Southwest Minnesota State, uh, I starred in a couple of plays on stage. Um, and so I'd like to think that, uh, you know, I would would have taken a route that would have been an easier career, but I probably, I probably would have found myself grinding it out, uh, you know, maybe in Hollywood or New York or something along those lines um, and trying to do some kind of a career in, in acting or uh, film or whatnot. Um, I will say this, uh, two or three years ago, my younger brother who lives in Duluth, his wife, uh, the building that she worked in was being used to film a Christmas movie starring Danny Glover and Denise Richards. And the, the movie is called Christmas Break-In, and they were looking for extras for the movie. And so uh, my fiancé and I went over there, and uh, my fiancé had no uh, desire whatsoever to uh, be involved in you know, being on screen by any uh, choice, but... Uh, I thought it'd be fun, and I found myself having a brief, about a second to second and a half cameo in a Danny Glover, Denise Richards movie, where I almost get run over by a very diminutive, five foot nothing, 95 pound Denise Richards running down the hallway of an office building. So uh, I encourage your listeners to check out the movie Christmas Break-In on Netflix and Try to pay attention to a part where Denise Richards is running with a cell phone in her hand, and you'll see me for a very brief moment on the screen. So You can guarantee uh, that, uh, that that is going to be 100% something I look into. This is not where I thought this was going to go, Coach, but I'm glad it did. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it was definitely, uh, it's definitely a fun experience, and, and I, I enjoyed my time. Albeit brief for uh, for for one year, I believe my uh, freshman year of college, um, uh, and a little bit into my sophomore year in college, of being on stage, and uh, it was it's just something I've always enjoyed doing, um, and you know, and if and when the time ever comes that I'm not coaching, maybe I'll look into doing it again. So, coach, going back uh, on the floor, my last uh, question for you: What is going to be the difference? for your squad this year when you get into later January, into the thick of February, down the stretch in UMAC play, to be there in the top half and have an opportunity to be in the top four and make the UMAC playoffs, and then who knows what can happen from there. I know there's so many factors that go into winning and being available to have a chance to win the conference tournament, and you mentioned it earlier, luck is involved as well, but if you could boil it down to one thing that really you think could make a difference for your squad What's that going to be for this season? 
Well, I think the one thing for, for us, and, and this goes for probably everybody else, not just in the UMAC, but in, in Division three and in, in, in college basketball, is, is going to be making sure that we're all healthy. Um, you know, and, and just being able to, I, you know, and, and not just healthy in terms of, you know, you know, hopefully not rolling ankles or, you know, banging knees or, you know, concussions, those types of things. Um, but, you know, obviously with, with COVID, it's, it's vital that not just us, but our opponents, you know, we all do everything that we can to try to stay safe and healthy to allow us to even play the games. Um, and all you got to do is take a look at what's gone on in the, over the last week with, you know, the NBA and the NFL and the NHL and, and, and multiple Division One games and multiple Division Twos and Division Three games being postponed and canceled. And, and it's, it's very, very difficult to navigate that. And it's almost even harder this year than it was last year. And last year, you know, if somebody on your team tested positive or somebody was exposed or what have you, you know, your whole team's going into quarantine and, and that's the way it is to it. Now with, you know, you know, a majority, if not all of your team being vaccinated, you know, what is the risk vaccine, you know, the vaccinated players versus maybe the few that you might have that are unvaccinated versus your coaching staff and, 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 and those types of things. And then being able to try to just navigate that, um, I think being healthy has got to be the number one priority for, for every team just to give you the opportunity to play games. Um, if I had to choose something on the court, um, for us it's going to be on the defensive end. Uh, I, I think we are still trying to find ourselves offensively, and, and sometimes we, we can make shots, and, and I'd like to see our assist percentage go up, um, and, and I think it will. But for us, it, you know, the sweep that we had last weekend was – entirely dependent upon our defense and you know, we shot 39 percent for you know combined between both games which is just awful but defensively we held teams to 40.2 percent so we honestly feel that if we can guard if we can stay in front of people if we can you know not give up offensive rebounds and not give up live turnovers that lead to, to out you know runouts for the other team um, if we can just play our defense, do it as well as we possibly can, hold teams to one-and-done shots type of deal, um, we'll be in a majority, if not all, of our games. And, and that's the one thing on the floor that I think the guys have started to kind of go, oh, okay, we understand now what Coach is saying. When we go against the Division One team, they're ten times faster than what we're going to see when we get in the conference play. So now we're in conference play, and everything's kind of slowed down. So staying in front of the guys – you know, it, it, you know, uh, with teams in the league seems to be a lot easier than trying to stay in front of the point guard from North Dakota State or the point guard from Bemidji State or, you know, God help us, you know, Minnesota Duluth, who's, you know, whatever they are, 13-0, 14-0, top 10 ranked D2 team in the country. I mean, staying in front of those guys was darn near impossible. So, um, I think the guys have started to realize that defense is going to keep us in games. And then if we can just find a way to hit a few shots and get to the free throw line a few times, uh, we'll have a chance going down the stretch. 
Coach, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule. Uh, we appreciate it. Like I said, we'll maybe have to sit down again. I've got a lot more questions to get to, but uh, we're going to leave it there for now. So thanks for taking some time. We wish you the best of luck this season moving forward. And, you know, if you're ever around, obviously we're from Northwestern and in that area. So if you're ever uh, over there this year and I happen to make it down from Crookston and Ryan's there, we'll be sure to stop by and say hi. But thanks for the time tonight. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. I, I, I gotta say, I'm really, really, um, excited and impressed that somebody is taking the time to focus on what is a great conference. You know, I, I certainly can speak from the men's basketball side of things, but, but overall with all the sports in the UMAC and guys, we, we appreciate it. I know, uh, you know, the other men's basketball coaches, I'm sure you've interviewed some and we'll probably, get to the others but i think it's fantastic and i really really appreciate it absolutely coach appreciate your time and merry christmas it's same to you guys merry christmas happy holidays to everybody out there